Our scripture reading this morning comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, siblings, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Friends, this morning I'm excited to welcome a guest preacher to our pulpit, Reverend Heidi Carrington Heath, and her bio is found in your bulletin. It's a one that is quite impressive, if I don't say so myself. And I am pleased to be somebody who's had the privilege of being first a congregant in the pews of Old South with Heidi 13, 14 years ago, and then later a colleague in ministry in the United Church of Christ. So friends, will you pray with me a blessing before she preaches? Holy, holy God, we give thanks to you for meeting us in this space so that we may worship you with all of the love and the hope and the peace and the joy of this season. We give thanks for Reverend Heidi as our guest preacher this morning, and we ask that you may speak through her a word to us. For each of us, we pray as we receive her words. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Reverend Heidi. alongside me. It is really a treat to get to be here with you this morning. I bring you greetings from New Hampshire and from Phillips Exeter Academy, where I serve as interim chaplain and director of religious and spiritual life. Church, will you pray with me this morning? Come, Holy Spirit, our hearts inspire. Enliven us with your celestial fire. For if you are with us, nothing else matters. And if you are not with us, nothing else matters. Amen. Amen. Show of hands, how many of you remember school picture day from school? Okay. Cool. Me too. How many of you remember a school picture that you hope no one ever sees again? Hands up, I'm serious. Also, me too. For more years of my life than I care to remember, my grandmother kept a photo of me in her living room. It was the school picture that I hated the most. She insisted it was adorable, and not only kept it in her living room, but she insisted on an 8x10 on the bookshelf alongside some of her other favorites. 8x10, y'all, 8x10. In it, I was donning the perm that I thought was a really fantastic idea in the 10th grade. 
a turtleneck that probably should have stayed in the JCPenney catalog, and the braces that in 10th grade I was really convinced would be on my teeth until I was 20. It was not my best picture. 10th grade was a particularly awkward year that I really could have lived without having memorialized for all time in that photo. My grandmother, I want you to know, kept that thing up until all of my senior pictures came in, I think. I was mortified every time I saw it. But in a way, in a way, my grandmother was right. Church, I can't remember how old I was when the world first started to teach me to critique my body. I don't remember the first time that someone made a comment to me about my shape, my size, my appearance, that indicated in some way that my body was wrong or it was out of order. Probably because we begin to do it so young that none of us can remember the first time. I can remember certain moments, the ones that really stand out in my mind. The time someone made a casual comment about how much better my skills would be as an athlete if I, you know, just lost five pounds. They weren't, by the way. The time someone indicated in some way that my body was too much or not enough. The times I can point to now that caused me to turn on myself in some way, but I can't narrow it down to the very first time. What about you? Take just a moment, just a moment and think about this. Can you remember the first time that an outside influence told you how to feel about your body? or began to impact how you saw yourself in some way? Can you remember? And so it is that we have arrived at today's text from Paul's letter to the Romans. Now is probably a good time to confess something. We are in church after all. I have a complicated relationship with the Apostle Paul. It is, after all, the Apostle Paul who paints the body as an entity to be overcome, controlled, or contained. In the same breath, it is the Apostle Paul who writes about how nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. When Paul gets it right, y'all, he really gets it right. But when he gets it wrong, whew, does he get it wrong. Paul is also one of the earlier influences in my life on how the church taught me and a generation of people like me that our bodies were something to do battle with. He taught us that they were to be controlled, contained, reined in. That's another sermon unto itself, but it is worth naming here. His epistle, or letter, to the Romans is no exception. It is long and dense and designed to paint salvation in a very narrow, very particular way. I think in some ways that Paul's letter to the Romans is designed to cut through the chaos. He is trying to get to the heart of our faith, but instead, in this long and dense, sometimes hard to understand 
narrative, he really creates more chaos in the process. That's a good testimony to the human experience. Outside influences can and do feel chaotic. They influence how we see ourselves and how we see others. All bodies cannot possibly be good, except they are, because each of us and our bodies are a reflection of the divine, worthy of dignity and love and respect, exactly as they are. I, I cannot possibly be the person that others reflect back to me because I don't know how to believe in myself the way that others believe in me. Sound familiar? Except, oh, beloved, you are that person even more than you realize. What if, what if God doesn't really love me? What if I'm too much? What if I'm not enough? What if I cannot be contained? What if I am always too queer, too transgender, too black, too brown, too fat, too thin? What if? Except you are none of those things because you, you, you were created in the image of God who contains multitudes and also cannot be contained. Here is the place where Paul really cuts to the heart of it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. God's good and pleasing and perfect will. Advent Church is a wonderful opportunity. It is a wonderful opportunity to quiet the chaos. It is a season about being still, getting quiet and waiting, waiting for God's incarnate love to break into the world. This season, it will not last forever. It is finite. So what if? What if we used this last little bit of Advent to quiet the outside influences? To get still. To really listen. To be transformed by the renewing of our mind and to hear God's will for us. I believe that a piece of that will is to love ourselves just a little better and to see ourselves with just a little more clarity as a reflection of the Holy One, good, true, and whole. Look at you all. You are so beautiful. But Heidi, I don't know how to love myself better. I can hear some of you saying it. And church, I hear you. I'll give you a hint. You are more than enough. You are so, so, so much more than enough. Your wild holiness need not be contained, but celebrated, embraced, loved, 
Your body is not too much or not enough. Your embodiment in the world, however that is for you, is a reflection of the light that God is preparing to break forth into the world. Church, it is not an accident. It is not an accident that God was born into the world in a body. It is not an accident that our God came to us as a tiny, vulnerable baby to walk among us and to experience the fullness of humanity. On this Sunday, when we light the Advent candle of love, we remember that God loves us so much that Jesus was born into the world to experience this life as we experience it, embodied, messy, terrible, beautiful. This Advent, may we work together to quiet the chaos, to tell those outside influences to hush, and to begin, just to begin, to feel the grace that fashioned us. On this Sunday, when we light the candle of love, there is so much possibility in the quiet that lies beneath that chaos. If only we have ears to hear it. Church, hear now these words from the prophet and the poet, Jan Richardson. This for you is a blessing in the chaos. To all that is chaotic in you, let there come silence. Let there be a calming of the clamoring, a stilling of the voices that have laid their claim on you, made their home in you, that go with you even to the holy places, but will not let you rest, will not let you hear your life with wholeness or feel the grace that fashioned you. Let what distracts you cease. Let what divides you cease. Let there come an end to what diminishes you, what demeans, and let depart all that keeps you in its cage. Let there be an opening into the quiet that lies beneath the chaos where you find the peace you did not think was possible and you see what shimmers in the storm. You are beloved. You are holy. You are not too much. You are exactly enough, exactly as you are, right now, today. Your body is good and worthy. May you believe it, and may you listen well for God's will for us in these final days of Advent. Amen. Amen.